0: a wonderful life. Uh, that's the theme of our, our movie today, but a good question for us to reflect on, is your life this wonderful life we're going to talk about? Maybe you say that that's a little bit strong, buddy, of a word to say to have a wonderful life. I'd be more comfortable if you said to have a nice life, to have a comfortable life. I, I might even would say I have a good life. But here's what I want you to know as we begin this morning. Jesus would like you to have a wonderful life. Listen to John 10, verse 10. A thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I came to give life, life in all of its fullness. One version puts it this way. Jesus said, I came to bring you life, much better life than you ever imagined. I love praying together with our ministers before this service and about what's going to happen in this building today. And I love hearing Sharon McGillberry say, God, thank you. I truly have a wonderful life. And that's not because everything's always gone our way. It's because God's abundant blessing. And we're going to discover this morning from this old movie, black and white movie, what really makes a wonderful life. It's a Wonderful Life was first produced in 1946. Here's the funny thing about it. It was an absolute flop at the box office. Uh, Nobody, all the reviews were bad. But today, if you look up any listing of top Christmas movies, it will be number one. Let me tell you a little bit about the story if you hadn't watched it. It centers around a guy named George Bailey. You'll see his picture up here. He's played by Jimmy Stewart. Go ahead and flash that first picture if you would. Jimmy Stewart is George Bailey. He grows up in a little town in New York State called Bedford Falls. He's a young man with incredibly big dreams. His father owns a savings and loan that helps many families in this small town be able to have affordable housing. Now, early on, though, his father passes away. The game plan is that the business would go to, here's the next picture, his brother, Harry. Harry. But Harry's wanting to go off to college. And George Bailey's the nicest guy around. And he gives his college fund to Harry with the agreement, Harry will come back later and run the business. But Harry goes off to college, meets a young lady, gets married. Her dad has a successful business in upstate New York. And Harry never comes home. So George Bailey is left to run this fledgling business with Uncle Billy. And you'll see in the movie, Uncle Billy makes some big mistakes. Now, in the movie, the protagonist was a man named Mr. Potter. He was actually a slum lord. and he made his money off these poor little built apartments. And you see, George Bailey helping people get mortgages was actually hurting his business. And so he would do everything in his power to destroy George Bailey and his savings and loan. In fact, Mr. Potter was a pretty miserable man. Listen to what he said. George, I am an old man, and most people hate me. But I don't like them either, so that makes it all even. (laughs) Wouldn't you love to have that attitude? That's Mr. Potter. In a critical juncture in the movie, Uncle Billy loses $8,000. Nobody knows at that point that Mr. Potter actually had found it and kept it and wouldn't give it back. And so in the most critical part of the movie, the savings and loan that... The, this family the Bailey family had built is about to be shuttered now a couple more characters in the movie that are significant first of all is George Bailey's wife Mary who's so sweet and wonderful and supports him through amazing emotional ups and downs but you also meet a good natu- natured angel a guardian angel named Clarence now I would warn you do not go to this movie for your theology about angels okay It's not really very good. But you will fall in love with uh, with Clarence. Because Clarence is the one who comes to George's rescue. So let's look at this. What does George Bailey learn in this movie? First of all, he learns what all of us have learned, is that life is difficult. Jesus said in John 16, verse 33... In this life, you will have trouble. Not you might, not it's possible, but you will have trouble. And even that's true, that we need to understand, for followers of Jesus, many preachers might lead you to believe that if you gave your life to Jesus, then everything in your life can go well, and you'll never have a problem, you'll always be healthy, you'll be wealthy, you name it, it'll go your way. That's not the experience of Christians for the last 2,000 years, and that's not even the word of Jesus. Life is difficult. How many of you have experienced that? Raise your hand, show me your wake. How many of you have experienced that life is difficult? We all have. It's hard. We live in a fallen world where things don't always work. Now George Bailey also learned, though, that life is different. It's different than what he expected. You see, George Bailey had amazing plans for his life. He wanted to grow up and become an architect. He wanted to design skyscrapers. He planned on visiting everywhere in the world. He had plans for his life to do really big things. And he finds himself stuck because of family events in Bedford Falls fighting Mr. Potiphar. And he can't escape. Here's one quotation. He says, I cannot face being cooped up in this little shoddy office the rest of my life. Spending all my life trying to figure out how to save three cents on a pipe. I'm going to go crazy. I want to do something big and something important. You ever felt that way? I mean, you, you had that these two points together. Life is difficult. You've all experienced that. But most of us also experience life is not what we expected. Our our life does not always go down the roads we expect. We don't always live where we expect. Our marriage may have been harder than we expected. Raising children might have been tough. Maybe we didn't get married when we expected to get married. Or maybe we didn't, weren't able to have children. We wouldn't have children. Everybody faces something where life is difficult. Maybe your career is not the career you thought you'd be in. Or you got in the career and you're stuck in some shoddy little office really just trying to make it to retirement. That's where George Bailey was. It was nothing like he dreamed of. So when you add these things up, life is difficult and life is different, you get exactly where George Bailey was. He was in great despair. When the $8,000 goes missing, Mr. Potter tells him, George, you would be better off dead than alive. And so we finally find George Bailey on a bridge, suicidal, saying, I wish I'd never been born. Then that despair did a really good thing. It does it for many of us. It led him to prayer. And here's George Bailey's prayer. Dear Father in heaven, I'm not a praying man, but if you're up there and you can hear me, show me the way, show me the way. And George Bailey received an answer to that prayer. And he was gave what the movie calls the greatest gift. Now, fascinating side note, the original working title of the movie was not A Wonderful Life. It was The Greatest Gift. And what is this gift? George Bailey is giving a brand new perspective on life. He now can see it through different lens. You know, we all need that, don't we? Sometimes we get so mired in the muck and daily activity of life that we, we can't see the big picture. Reminds me of an NFL quarterback you watch sometimes on TV. You know, they, they will be on the field, then they'll go off the field, then they'll grab their little iPad, and they'll look at those plays from a whole different perspective. And then they're able to come back and play, seeing the field differently. I think this pandemic did it for many people and many businesses. You know, how many people now are working from home? If we had never gone through that pandemic, businesses would never discovered we don't even have to have an office complex we can just let people work from their home and communicate, and it's a whole different perspective that's led to a, a lot of changes. You know, I hope for you today that um, this Christmas season has given you a new perspective. As we've gone through these movies, I think we've seen a lot of cool truth. And I really have appreciated my brother Doug Amos, who's sitting about midpoint here. Who Christmas has always been a really hard time for Doug. If you know doug 's story, he suffered a lot of loss in his family, from his mother and father to his sisters, and Christmas was just not the time of year that he looked forward to. But the last few weeks have given Doug a different perspective and Doug told me last sunday i 'm living Christmas so much differently i 'm going to live Christmas like my sister would have lived it who loved christmas Isn't it amazing your life how just one little change of perspective. Sometimes you hear just one sentence that can change what you're going through. Now, it's not going to change what you're going through, but it will change your attitude in what you're going to going through. it would be completely different. You know that first phrase I used in the message, life is difficult? Some of you probably recognize that. It's, a, it's a, the first three words of a really famous book, called The Road Less Traveled. It's a book by Scott Peck. And then listen to what he said after that sentence. Life is difficult. This is the great truth. One of the greatest truths in life. Listen to what he says. Once you truly understand it and accept it, then life is no more difficult. Once you just accept that truth. And for George Bailey the new perspective is given in his suicidal moments where the angel Clarence intervenes. Watch this clip. I love what Clarence says. You've been given a great gift, George, the chance to see what the world would be without you. And so from this scene, George Bailey walks back into Bedford Falls. But as he comes outskirts of the town, it's not even called Bedford Falls anymore. It's called Pottersville. And he walks down the streets of the city. It's derelict. Most businesses are are shuttered. If there are businesses, they're basically bars and brothels. And there's crime everywhere. And the people you see on the street are either the people committing the crime or it's the police. And this subdivision that he had developed to help people get into a home called Bailey Park is now just simply a graveyard everything has changed. And the point of the movie is, it all changed because George Bailey was no longer there. Watch this clip of when he walks into his home looking for his family. So everything's changed. The people who knew him before don't even recognize him. And so George Bailey is given the perspective of looking at what life would look like if he had never lived. And so in this dark journey back into the city, he finds out that he wants to live again. You know, at the beginning of the movie, we remember that George Bailey said, I want to do something big, I want to do something important. But his picture was completely different than the picture that happens in the movie. But here's the truth. He finally discovers with this new perspective that he actually had done something or many things that were big and that were important. And that his life, despite it wasn't what he had planned or he had dreamed of, was incredibly significant. So he decides he wants to live again. He actually has a wonderful life. Now what is a wonderful life? That's what we're trying to get to today. How do you define a wonderful life? George Bailey discovered a very biblical truth. Listen to the truth. A truly wonderful life is not found in everything going your way, but in being a blessing to others. You hear that? We all need to hear that, don't we? Because most of us have big plans. Most of us, our life has been a little bit different than we expected, a little bit harder than we expected. Some of our dreams have not come true. We don't think they'll ever come true. But the truth is, God's got a better plan for you. And a really wonderful, important life that really is big is really to do with what you do with other people. You see, what George was blessed to see is who would have been impacted if he hadn't lived? All these menial things he thought he was doing was actually changing people's lives. And he was blessed to see it. You know, God does that for so many of us. He changes our plans. And really, it's like John 10, 10 said, he's got something much better for us. I think of one of the Christmas characters we've looked at a lot the last few weeks, Joseph. Anybody think this was Joseph's plan for his life? Or his engaged girlfriend to come up pregnant out of wedlock, for him to be challenged to tell this, which sounded like a crazy story, that, oh yes, she was pregnant, but she had never been with a man, she had only been impregnated by the Holy Spirit, and honestly, Joseph, we don't know when Joseph died or not, because the Bible doesn't tell us, but, but Joseph had to live with those rumors plaguing his life the rest of his life. That wasn't the way he planned out his wedding. That wasn't the way he planned out his first child. That wasn't the way he planned out anything. But we can be guaranteed of this. God's plans for Joseph were better than any dream he could have ever come up with. Can you imagine, you know, years later, when everything begins to dawn on Joseph, of who he is and what he's done and the job he's been given from God he thinks, you know, I, I had all these plans for me and Mary's life, but it just didn't work out. You know, we did get stuck in a podunk town called Nazareth. And I didn't achieve everything I thought I would achieve. But imagine this. I was blessed by God to raise the Messiah. I was blessed. You're talking about having an impact to father the very son of God. And that's the point we're trying to make today is that your life can be, as Jesus said, much better than you ever imagined. I mean, just think about early in your life. Let's think about this. go down this road just for a second. What were your dreams when you were 18 years old? What would your life be like today if you had achieved all of those dreams? Anybody want to go back there and take that road? It reminds me of the old country song, Thank God for what? Boy, you guys are slow this morning. I must be drinking too much this Christmas. Thank God for what? Unanswered prayers. And thank God for that. Thank God that God interrupts our plans. And he says it in his word. My plans are not your plans. And, and guys, here's our problem. Is, is so many of us, because we're by nature selfish, we are so intent on everything going our way that we let it ruin our life. How many of us, you know, if, if something didn't go our way at work or God forbid our sports team loses, and some of us spend the next week miserable, what a crazy thing. I mean, it's when, when, when things don't go the way we expect it in marriage or children or whatever, and it's more difficult, that in, instead of being flexible, instead of saying maybe God's going to use this to teach me, instead of being quick on my feet to say, hey, there might be something better God's got for me, I spend my weeks sulking over not getting it the way I wanted it. And if this story teaches us anything, it's that you need to be flexible. Oh, you can come up with your plans, and there's nothing wrong with you dreaming about the way you'd like things to be. But hardly ever does it turn out exactly that way. And that's okay. It's just back to what we said last week. I'm not the main character in my life. (laughs) That's the first perspective I need to get. The main character is Jesus Christ. And so many of us, I feel like we miss a wonderful life because we never are forced to this perspective. Even this week, I challenge you, you know this next week, coming up to Christmas next Saturday, it's not going to all fall in place. You know that. You've had too many Christmases. But are you going to let it ruin your life? Or are you going to allow, remember, you know, life is not about everything going my way. In fact, I'll be miserable if that's my standard. But it is about me blessing people. And I can bless people no matter what's going on. Let's look at some scriptures that really affirm the truth of today's lesson. Jesus said in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, In everything I did, Paul says, I showed you by this kind of hard work we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Do you believe that? We live in a culture that tells us it is so much better if you receive everything you want. And yet we have a lot of people who seemingly are getting everything they want and who are miserable. And scripture says, no, 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 no. The blessing, the wonderful life comes when you allow God to allow you to bless others. I mean, look at this challenging passage, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Ooh, would that be a change? I'm going to value other people above me. How about this, this coming week? Can you value other people above you? Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Where do we learn that kind of business? In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. You think Jesus came to earth and got things his way from a worldly standpoint? No. Verse 6, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. This story was so different. It was different than anything anyone on earth would have ever imagined. That God would be born as a baby in a poor, dilapidated manger and grow up the way he grew up and dying on a cross. But it's better than anything we could have ever imagined because we are living today the impact of what Jesus did. So today, this simple movie, I hope it changes your perspective. And I hope it changes your perspective right now. How many of us wait till death to learn this? You know, people in their deathbed, they don't say, man, I wish my bank account was bigger. I wish I'd been able to afford a bigger house. I wish I'd never missed an Auburn or Alabama away game. (laughs) They they just don't say that. I wish I could have dressed nicer. No, no, no. What, What do they say? I wish I'd taken more time to love the people in my circle. This is one of the Most striking stories I've heard in a long time. Sam Walton's death. I mean, Sam Walton, you know, the founder of Walmart, the richest man in all the world. His best friend, a guy named David, was actually at his deathbed. And Sam sort of offhandedly said, my life is a failure. And his friend said, come, stop, stop, Sam. From any measurement, your life is... No way a failure. Anybody looking at you would say, You're one of the grandest successes in the history of the world. And Sam Walton said, You and I know. Yes, I achieved that. But along the way, I neglected the people I love the most. You see, the great thing about George Bailey is he discovers that before death. And after the scene where he sees everything and he finally goes back to Clarence and says, I want to live, and he's given his life back. He then walks back into town, and now he walks back into his home. And you'll see in just a second, his home are full of people that he's impacted. Because when the people in town know their hero, George Bailey, is depressed and down, they they rescue him. They come to say, you're the guy that allowed us to have a house. You're the guy that took care of us. And so they are crowded in his home when he comes back in. And they're actually collecting money to pay off the 8000 so the business can survive. They actually collect 25000 Sounds like Landmark, right? Actually collect 25000 Watch this clip. The Clarence leaves him. No man is a failure who has friends. And God's—that that is the truth of life. And don't let anybody fool you. So today, I want to give you a holiday challenge. We're about to go through two of our favorite holidays, Christmas and New Year's. During Christmas, I want to challenge you the next few days to celebrate how God has used you. You know, Dan often reminds us that we don't celebrate enough. And we ought to celebrate every good thing that happens around us. But one thing we're really, really, really bad about is celebrating our own lives. But I ask you to look at it from the perspective that was given George Bailey. What would life be like if you had not lived? And I want you to think, I mean, because most of us think, well, you know, I really didn't do anything that big. I didn't do anything that significant. But who's been blessed by you? Who have you loved? Who have you shown Jesus to? Who of you, as Jesus, would say, you, you didn't do something big. You just gave a cup of cold water, and it's never forgotten in heaven. Whose life would be lonely if you weren't here today? Who would be devastated? Who have you lended a hand to? Who have you prayed with? Who have you come to and give them some money in a tough time? You see, most of this is unknown to anybody else. But I ask you just for a moment this week to reflect on how God has used you. It'll give you a different perspective on what greatness is. And then as you enter the new years, contemplate how God will use you. If true success in life is not everything going my way, but me blessing others, what do I want the year 2022 to look like? Just think about that. But as we close this morning, we're going to close in a really special time together as a church. Taking communion together and lining around this stage with candlelight. I love this this Sunday every year. But here's the questions I want you to think about as we come to the communion table. What would the world be like if Jesus hadn't come? My friends, hands down, even atheists would have to admit that Jesus... Is the biggest influence in the history of the world. And even today, if you go to countries where there's been a significant Judeo Christian influence, in countries where that has been non existent, you will see a dramatic difference. I think about what's going on right now with the tornadoes across the country. It can be just like Katrina. It will cause the reaction of an atheist newspaper writer from the London Times who came to New Orleans and said, You know, what I found out is the people that rebuilt New Orleans and rebuilt those people's lives, they were followers of Jesus Christ. How many hospitals wouldn't be built? How many people would not be taken care of? You see, without Jesus, life would be dark. Without Jesus, life would look like Pottersville ten times worse. But think a little bit more personal before you take today. What would your life be like if Jesus had not come? I mean, Jesus is the light of the world. The light who came in the midst of darkness. And so here's what we're going to do. I want to give you just a moment of silence to contemplate that question in your own life. What would your life look back like if Jesus had not come? If we weren't celebrating the incarnation and birth of Jesus today. Then I'm gonna pray and you will partake of communion there at your tables. And then after you partake of communion, then we're gonna encourage every one of you to get up. There are tables scattered out through the worship center where you will go and you will get a candle and cut that candle on. And this is what we're going to do. We're, gonna, we're just going to try to circle the stage, one circle after another, as far back as we can go. If for some reason you might feel uncomfortable with that in the day we lived, then we, we certainly understand if you just need to go back to your seat. But we'd love, as a family, to celebrate the light of the world who came into our darkness and who made such a difference. So I'm going to pray you'll partake, then As soon as you partake, please go get a candle, and let's gather together to close this wonderful day. God, we thank you so much for Jesus, God. Lord, um, God, we don't want to even imagine our world without him, more or less to imagine our own lives. Father, I think of the things I would have done. I think of the places I would have gone. I think of the sins that would have taken over my life. I think of how selfish I would have been. I I, I think so much about what life would be like if I did not know Jesus. If I didn't understand reconciliation and understand forgiveness and all the things that we learn at the cross and around this table that allows Christians to behave different. That even we don't see eye to eye we can forgive. Even when we've done wrong we can reconcile. Lord, we look at other parts of the world that don't have that in their background, and it's just a dog-eat-dog world, and it's a vengeance world. But Lord, thank God, we know Jesus. We know his grace. He has saved us from ourselves. He truly is the light of the world. Bless us this morning as we partake and as we celebrate your son Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen.